Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast Confessions of a Creative Director, the original podcast made by a creative director for creative directors, for people who aspire to be creative directors, for people that want to hang out with creative directors at a cocktail party and share stories of being a creative director. I don't know where that came from, but uh, sure would be fun to have a cocktail party with a bunch of creative directors. Maybe that'll be uh, an event that uh, that I need to host. Maybe I'll get everybody that's been on the show so far uh, to a cocktail party. That actually would be a lot of fun. Man, one great idea a day is all you need. And that's something that I learned <laughs> from uh, our guest today, Rob Burnham, who works for an agency called KC Truth in Minneapolis. Of all the creative directors that I've talked to, this guy is the purest of heart in terms of being a creative director. And you'll see what I mean uh, as we get into this episode. But but man, it was a great conversation. His agency uh, that he works for, Casey Truth, has this really cool uh, sort of vibe about them. They have a bar that he'll tell you about called the Truth Bar. They have this whole kind of um, idea built around getting the truth out of their clients and you know truth in advertising and whatnot so it's a it's a really cool story but one of the things that he talked about is this idea of one one good idea a day that's all you need um, and he'll tell us a little bit more uh, about that not to mention he's got the best hands down confession that we've had on the show once you hear this thing you're gonna like a you're gonna you're gonna sweat for him you're gonna you're gonna cringe for him and then you're gonna get a sigh of relief and go man i'm glad that that never has happened uh to me but uh yeah it's a really great episode i love what he talks about he's got this idea about you know running a creative team like you run a writer's room and he'll tell us a little bit more about that he's a rock and roll guy we both love the replacements he's in a band i'm in a band uh he has this whole idea of you know creative agencies being uh kind of like rock bands right uh and he'll tell us about that as well so i'm really teasing this episode so let's just get to it uh put your hands together for rob burnham hey rob Good to see you, buddy. Finally, we, we, we made it happen. We're here together after many attempts. It's good to, to finally uh, put, a, uh, put a face uh, to the name and to the voice and to the legend that is uh, Rob Burnham. Welcome to the hey, show, bud. Thank you. Thanks for uh, putting up with all the technical snafus, and I'm busy eyeballing your guitars, so I haven't looked at you yet. <laughs> Got these really cool guitars on his wall, so I'm drooling <laughs> over the guitars. <laughs> Uh, we'll have to we'll have to talk about uh, some music here. We have a we have a mutual love of the replacement. So, uh, yep. I, I as soon as you said that, I, I'm like, all right, I like this guy already. But before we get started, I wanted to have a little toast here. Yeah. Um. Again, thanks for doing the show. What are you What are you drinking on your end? What What, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a Paloma. Uh, a Paloma. I'm a, I'm a which is a silver tequila, oh. a squirt soda. Wow. Wow. A little, a little fresh uh, citrus. Nice. It's, it's very, very refreshing. What about you? For this special occasion, I pulled out um, uh, one of my favorite cocktails. I, I pulled out all the stops and went with a frosty cold lawnmower beer, Miller Lite, Tall Boy. Oh, 
you can't go wrong with the with Miller Lite. Mm-mm. Love it's Minnesota it. and it's warm out, so that's a lawnmower beer. That's what we drink. I love it. I love it. Well, cheers, man. Again, thanks for making the time. I know you're cheers. Thank you're you. a busy busy cat, so thanks for making the time. But um, yeah, so you know we've we we've got introduced by some some uh, some mutual friends, and and uh, they they told me you got to interview Rob. He's he's a really fascinating guy, and and just in our initial you know kind of pre-conversation we just we, we you know i think you joked like we should have been rolling the whole time because yeah, yeah we did it conversation <laughs> i know we did the show already but um you guys should have been there for that one yeah so, it was great i don't know yeah. if, i don't know if we can recreate it but no we'll recreate that magic but i was really taken by you know your your philosophy and your approach to creative uh you talked a lot about um just sort of the way that you see how the team functions and and how the team is much bigger than the, um, uh, you know, than the individual. And we'll, we'll get to that. But, but first, tell me a little bit about, uh, about the agency that you work with uh, for, because that in itself is super fascinating. It's called Casey Truth. I love this idea of, of these truth sessions. But just tell us a little bit about what the agency is all about. You guys have a really unique positioning. So start us off there. Yeah. So the name is Casey Truth, and finding the truth is our purpose. And that's what we uh, take our clients on through that process to find the truth. It actually helps us uh, get to a better place with the clients so that they are, you know, we're, we're going for uh, the, the same goal. Like what, you know, oftentimes what, what I've seen is uh, creatives have or the agency has one idea and the client has another. So how do we come together to find that core truth to, to solve that problem? So it was the agency has had a few names over the years. I've, I've been there with my partner, Mike. We've been there over 20 years and uh, wow. we, we actually added truth to the name after a few years of having that as our process and the way the process that we work with clients on. And um, we had ended up opening up the truth bar, which I think we'll get to that at some point as well. But yep. that process sort of became bigger than the agency itself. And, it, and we needed to put it in the name and clients really respond to it because we're not talking over their heads. It's not um, some marketing mumbo jumbo. I think we can all relate to what finding the truth is right. and in the importance of it. So that's what we do. So, is this something that that even with an existing client that happens uh, on a, on a on a regular basis, or is it typically more sort of the onboarding process, and then maybe you don't do it again for a while, or how does that work? Yeah, I think it's on it's in all of our briefs. So, what's the truth about the assignment? But but where you really get exposed to the process is when a new client comes on, where we do truth uh, workshops. So, what we like to do is. Um, have a day where all of the, uh, and I'm going to use air quotes here, the key stakeholders, right, uh, yep. come into, we have, a, we have a bar, they come into the agency, into the bar, and we spend the whole day uh, finding the truth. And really the three territories that we're looking at are what are the brand truths? So what are the truths about the brand? Let's get them all out of, on the table. What are the truths about the category? So the category that they're in. 
what's happening, who are the, right. who's their competition. And then the audience truths or audiences, there's oftentimes many audiences, but the audience truths. So it, what we've found is, you know, clients understand their brand. They understand their business really well. They understand the category that they're in really well. And when it gets to the audiences, that's where it gets a little, a little sketchy, right? Right. And so what we tell them is, look, you know, your brand, you can have some very unique things about your brand that can differentiate you from your competition. But if the audience doesn't care, it doesn't matter, right? They're the ones with the money. They're the ones making the decision. So let's get to where they are and let's figure out what resonates with them. Well, and what do you, what do you think is the, the most common what's the word I'm looking for? Um, what, what is the most common from a client's perspective? Where are they off about their audience? And I, 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 I'll, I'll kind of share my perspective, but, I, but I'm curious what your perspective, where are they off I, on their clients? I think, well, you know, we've all seen it, that the client is, is, is really into their secret sauce, whatever that may be. And um, they want to talk about it. And that might be fine, but does the but does the audience care? So I'm not going to name names of clients, but we had a client who made a product that was actually fairly simple. And there was a lot of science that went into the making of this product and they wanted to tout that, right? It's like, well, maybe, but you really got to think about is the audience going to care? So we actually did, you know, good old fashioned, uh, uh, you know, what do you call it? Focus groups, right? Yeah. And they didn't want to hear about the science. Just tell right. me about the product. So it's that kind of stuff that I think, you know, and a lot of, you know, because we're a smaller agency, we're under 30. So we're dealing with a lot of smaller startup type companies. And right. though, you know, they tend to get pretty excited about the things that get them excited. And it's right. like, well, is this going to matter to your audience at all? Because we have right. to be relevant to them. So in spoiler alert, you know, all the audiences, whether it's B2B or I don't care if you're selling the most boring thing in the world, uh, those audiences still resonate to good ideas, right? Yeah. To things that you know, they're all people, right? Everybody talks about B2B. It's like, well, it's business to business, but it's still business to people. These yeah. are still people. And exactly. we've had clients that, figured that out, you know, through our truth, truth workshops and stuff, they figured out, yeah, we really do. We are in a very B2B space and we're talking to IT professionals, but guess what? They want to be entertained, right? Sure. Absolutely. So, so they want to see some fun videos. It's like, well, yeah, they do. <laughs> and it yeah. works. So yeah, I talked to, uh, uh, several episodes back. I talked to a couple guys who worked for a, um, uh, for, for a B2B company and typically, you know, you might you might think, well, I bet that work is not that interesting or not that that fun or you know exciting. But these guys, they love it, they breathe it, and they said the exact same thing, right? At the end of the day, the people on the other end are just people. They just because they happen, it happens to be a product that's, you know, uh, it's a it's sort of a B two B kind of thing. Yeah. They're still people. They still want to be entertained. These guys come up with some amazing, um not only the, the the end product, but just the process. They have so much fun. They engage with their clients. They go on factory tours and they just loved it. And it just kind of gave me a whole new sort of appreciation for that fact. And you're, you're absolutely right. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. If you, if you went on our website and you saw the 3M privacy filter work, it all looks consumer, but it's not, that's all B2B work. We're right. selling to, uh, you know, to big companies that need, 
privacy filters for their employees' computers. Yeah. And, and a lot of that stuff is just, it's entertaining stuff, right? We do a lot of, you know, very hardworking sort of infographics and sell sheets and all of that. But, you know, you have to think of everything. It's multi-layered, right? Right. So you hit them with a, with a fun video that resonates, right? It's truthful. So, you know, we had three people sitting on an airplane and the middle person is, you know, trying to work on their computer and it's this sort of back and forth, you know, ping pong thing that happens, you know, when people are staring at the screen, that's something that everyone can relate to. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you said something a few minutes ago that, that our listeners are probably going like, wait, 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 go back to that. Tell me about the truth bar. Yeah. Um, I know about it, but tell us, tell us more about it. It sounds yeah. so, so freaking cool. It is. It is fun. I said, I told Sue who owns the agency, I told her years ago, I said, this is my last advertising job. After this, I work in a bar. So I, I, I we kind of have it. So we opened a bar. I, I'm trying to think now it's probably six or seven years ago. Um, based on that, the idea that when, when we had clients in, and we'd have these meetings in the conference room. And then, you know, it was the meeting after the meeting that was more fun and, um, and got the client actually talking more like human beings. And as it happens, those, the meeting after the meeting would happen in the agency kitchen. You might pour a cocktail, have a glass of wine. Even if they weren't drinking, it was sort of they're off the, the clock and now they're just normal people. It's like, man, we have to continue to have meetings where people feel comfortable. I think people go into a go into a conference room and they're like, I've got my conference room brain on, you know, it's PowerPoints and it's this, it's that. So he said, no, let's let's create a conference room. That's a bar because we all happen to actually really like hanging out in bars. And a space opened up. We're on the second floor of an old historic building in downtown Minneapolis called the Flower Exchange. It's we're on the trading floor or was the trading floor where they would trade flour. Right. So there's a lot of mills and yeah, all of that. Cool. Yeah. So we have the entire second floor and the and there was this empty space on the first floor. And we said, let's do it. And it's you know beautiful, tall windows. And we went in there and we blew the space out and it exposed these old wood floors. This, you know, under carpeting and three layers of linoleum. And we blew out the sheetrock and it was old brick walls. And of course, all the construction dudes are like, you want us to fix the floors? You want us to cover the brick? It's like, hell no, this is perfect. It feels like a bar that's been been there for a hundred years. Sue went out and found an old English library, all the wood pieces and the architects repurposed all of that old wood so that the bar feels like it was, it's been there forever. Right. And so that is, I call it the best conference room in the world, right? No, yeah. the, the world didn't need another conference room. So we built a bar and then, um, so the clients, they all get these beautiful, big wine glasses with their names engraved on them. And, cool. uh, we have all of our clients on shelves. So when you walk in the bar, that's the first thing you see and the clients, uh, it's, it's actually called the Truth Bar, so it doesn't say KC Truth. It's the Truth Bar. This beautiful hand-done gold-lettered type yeah. on the outside. It says members only. Yeah. People will walk by and think it's a bar, and they want to come in. And <laughs> if you come into the building, it's actually a true speakeasy in the sense that the only door that anybody would see if they came in the building is a metal door with a sign on it that says storage. 
So, and nobody ever thinks to knock on that one. There is one other door on the outside that doesn't have a handle on it or anything. If somebody actually knocks on that door, I usually answer it. Um, and cause they want to come in for, for the bar. And I say, well, no, it's not, it's our conference room, but here is a consolation prize. And I usually give them a beer and send them on their way. So it's uh, <laughs> but it's a fun space. So clients love it. I mean, I know agencies, right. We have a reputation of bars and drinking and all of that. So, uh, it's a bit, that's a little stereotypical, but we went all in. I mean, if you see this, it really is a beautiful space and clients absolutely love it. They can't wait to come down, be in the bar. You know, we let them use it. So if they want to have sort of offsite meetings, yeah. they get to take that bar over. Um, when they're not down there, I spend all my time down there. Well, I mean, this is pre-COVID, right? But yeah. uh, it's a, it's all these agencies that have open work environments, yeah. you know, which is usually kind of these big tables where people right. are lined up. It's like, no, man, make it look like a bar. We We could fit. 50 people in there, you know? Yeah. And, and it, you know, it doesn't feel like you're at a, at, at, in, in a factory, you know, making right. advertising. It right. just feels like you're hanging out in the bar. So. That's cool. Yeah. So it sounds, you know, uh, and just in talking to you and, and, and just, you know, hearing about, about the bar and everything else, it sounds like you, that's kind of part of your recipe, right? It's creating an environment for, for your creatives. Tell us more about sort of your creative process, what, what you see the role of a creative director, um, as just tell me a little bit about that, because I, I get the sense that you're, you're a vibe guy. You're like, a, you, you like yeah. to set a good vibe. You like to make sure that people have what they need, um, to do the best work. Um, but tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I mean, I caveat it again. I said it, we're, we're, we're an under 30 person agency. So I think being a creative director in the agency, that side is, is probably quite a bit different than big agencies, right? So smaller agency, smaller department, we, we do a lot of the work. We're in there doing it. And uh, I don't know how many years back. We've always sort of naturally worked this way. But um, Peters, who's, who's a writer at our place, said, you guys, you guys work it like a, uh, like a writer's room. And I, I liked that thought. Mm-hmm. Because what I remembered at big agencies, and I've been to many of them, or well, a few of them in town here. And what I remember was it was kind of creatives against creatives, you know. And I wanted to, I thought, man, when we're at a small agency, we're all just trying to get to the same place. So oftentimes our projects, there'll be four or five of us uh, kicking ideas around. And whose idea it is, I don't know. It's all of ours, right? So I really saw our work get better when it, for us at least, when, when when it didn't feel like it was one team versus another, you know? I mean, I get, I get the, uh, the drive for that. And I get how that can do really be, uh, bring some really great work, but for us, what works even better is, is all of us trying to help each other and make it better. So it's a little different than what I remember. Right. And that, and that's cool. And it's, I think that's hard, uh, to, to be honest with you. And, and I would love to learn more about how you, how you get to that place, right? Because as a creative person, let's face it, I think, um, you know, we all have a little bit of, of ego. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy to say I have a little bit of it. Not, not huge. I, I, I think I'm a team player and I, I, you know, see the world, um, in that way as well. Although I, I will say I like 
giving people credit. I like, you know, yes. highlighting them. Yep. Um, but how do you, so how do you do that in that world where you're saying, Oh, we all came up with the idea. How do you navigate those waters? And then, you know, how does anybody, you know, how do they stand out or how do they advance if it's, you know what I mean? If it's sort of more of a group environment. Right. Yeah, no, I get that. There are, it, it's not for everyone. And I think it takes some getting used to, I mean, cause I remember we've had a couple of people that were like, well, can I put it in my book? I'm like, hell yeah, you can put it in, a, in your book. You, you had just as much to do with it as anybody. And maybe this goes back to my biggest pet peeve in advertising. And I've always hated this. Um, when somebody looks at me and says, well, who wrote that or who art directed that? And, you know, I, I was brought up, I went to school and learned both. And my writer partner, Mike Cronin, he, he was the same way. So it was kind of, you know, he and I always, you know, I, in many ways, I think he was a better art director than I ever was. And I loved to write lines. So there was always this sort of switcheroo thing that was happening. So that, in, you know, we've been partners for 23, 24 years now. So we always just naturally work that way. Uh, but I think when, in terms of credit, I mean, everyone gets credit, you know, and uh, in terms of, um, you know, if, if people, I don't, we don't have anybody that has an issue with it right now. So I understand it because as we talked about this on our pre-call, and I was like, yeah, you know what? I, I could definitely see where that could be an issue for people, you know, but it's just not how it's not how we work. And, 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 and this works great for us. Yeah. Well, I, I need to I definitely as, uh, need to aspire to that kind of thing, because I, I do find myself getting caught up in that kind of thing. You know, it's like, you know, and, and, and I agree. I think I think a little less of that probably goes a long way with with the team if you're working in the team environment um you know so you you talked about working at the bigger shops tell us a little bit about sort of your career path and and you know that brought you to kc truth where have you been yep. what have you done what clients etc yep yep so i i went to art center um back in i don't know a million years ago Got out. My first job was at Martin Williams. So I, w I was raised in Minnesota, loved Minneapolis advertising, and that was where I wanted to be. But Art Center was one of only, you know, two or three schools at that time where you could, you knew you were going to learn it, right? So I uh, came back, went to Martin Williams, did a short stint at Wyden Kennedy, which was a fantastic wow. experience. But wow. I'm not really a Nike guy. I mean, I'm not really into the sports thing. So that was not really my deal. And uh, but what a great agency came back to Minneapolis, uh, went to Fallon then um, and was there, worked on Coke and Black and & Decker and I don't know how many other things. So it was a lot of stuff. It was fun. That was that was a blast. And then went over to Carmichael Lynch and uh, worked on, a, you know, I don't know how many things there, a million things at Carmichael Lynch and met my writer partner, uh, Mike Cronin there. And we. Uh, always had an interest in design and uh, not, not, I'm not a designer by any, by any means, but the power of design. So when you see advertising and design come together, we were very intrigued by that. So we left Carmichael and went to a small high-end design shop. At that time it was called Custer Partners. And we brought the advertising piece into the design piece. And that was a blast. We had so much fun doing that because he's really great designers brought in advertising thinking and really did a bunch of cool stuff. 
and, but that company that we changed it to uh, agency 11 and then it was sold to a bigger company and that that hardly ever works out so i'd known sue and her agency at that time was called cruise cop olson uh we went there then it was another name another name and now we're kc truth so yeah we've been here quite a long time but you know it was the big agency to small agency very different very different change but we were excited about it because we got a lot more contact with the clients, you know, sitting across from them, listening to them, getting that feedback, being able to, to, to sell it to them. That was, that was incredible. So uh, the trade-offs, obviously big, huge clients, big, huge budgets staying at the sunset marquee. Yeah. We missed some. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. But uh, no, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for anything. We, we love the size. We love the ability to have the uh, environment that we want, to have the bar, yeah. to create, to give people that work-life balance that you hear so much about. Yeah. And, you know, it's usually bullshit when you hear about it. No, we actually do it, you know, so Good. it's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that, that's something that's important to, to me, too, is, is you know, we're not, you know, I tell people sometimes when, when start to take ourselves a little bit too serious, it's like, we're not curing cancer here, guys. We can. No, we we're can, not. We can take that. We can, we can, you know, we can pick it up tomorrow. We, we don't. And where do you think that that came? Where do you think that that came from? I've talked about this with other folks, right? And I think some people still really glom onto it, right? This idea, this, this, this. Grind it Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, you know, this um, glamorization of like your, the, 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 the boxes of Chinese food around, right? Cause you didn't have time to leave and everybody's, you know, what, what is the fascination with that? You know, it's like, Oh, how late did you stay? And, and, and and, and to be completely honest, I've, I've never done it. I, it's happened on occasion. And I think that that's the way it should be. It's got, it's going to happen on occasion, but I've just never, never understood it. it. It just seems silly. I, I didn't either. Um, I never did good work that way. And I never saw good work happen that way. What I saw was people get burned out. And that doesn't seem like a great way to live your life. I mean, look, this is such a fantastic business. No, we don't, we don't cure cancer. Um, like Mike says all the time, we, we, you know, we sell Cheetos. You know, we don't actually have the Cheetos account. Right. We sell Cheetos. I mean, come on, man. It's not that big of a deal, but it's so much fun. And right. it should be fun. And a lot of us got into this uh, business because it looked like fun. Yeah. So it, and I think if people are, are grinding it out and burning it out, you, you, you see it in the work and you certainly see it in the people, you know, cause that's yeah. not a lot of fun to be around. You know, yeah. we've all done it and you, and you do have to do it at times, but yeah, you know, and again, I tell you what, when you do, when you don't have to do it a lot, it actually, when you do do it, it's fun, right? right. When, when you're not doing it all the time, then it can be fun. It's like, Oh, this, that, that was kind of fun. We kind of stayed yeah. late. We ordered in and but when you're doing it day in and day out, I, it's just not, and I've never gotten it, but I, I think it's still, I think it's still out there. I lurking. think it is too. That's guilt thing. You know, I mean, we're yeah. all, you've said it before, you know, there's, there's ego here. There's a lot of that. There's just, there's insecurities. Look, I don't, I mean, I don't know a good creative who isn't insecure Yeah. and, and that, you know, you're, you're always paranoid. You always, and then passion too. You, so you, you, people always want things to be better. You know, what, what can we keep going? Can we do better? And I think that, that there's, there's a lot of good things that drive that. But like anything good, too much of it uh, can become bad. So have you become 
over the years, have you become less insecure or more insecure? No, no. I mean, I, I don't want, I kind of don't want to uh, lose it. I can't right. lose it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe it would be one of my, my confession there. We'd be one yeah. of them at the end, but it is that idea that every single assignment that comes out there, holy shit, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I, I don't know. Is this, can you do it? It's not until you hit crack that first idea that you're like, okay, okay, good. We, we, we remember, we know how to do this thing, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I, I mean, I've met some not great people in advertising and I, and I would say that uh, some of them don't have that and I envy them. <laughs> yeah. It's like, God, I wish I could just think it was like a job where you just, you showed up, you punched the card and, you knew that, you know, whatever you got done in eight hours is what you got done in eight hours. It's like right. ours isn't like that. I mean, right. trying to talk about that, you know, estimating and billing and all this stuff at work. Yeah. It's like, I, look, I can't, I, it's impossible for me to tell you that if you put, you know, two or four people in a room for four hours, what you're going to get, you might right. not get anything. Right. Cause you know, we all know, I've always encouraged people to, get out of the office, go to a coffee shop, go to a bar, go hang out around people. Don't be here. You know, some people want to be there. They want to be at the, at their computer right. and that's, that, right. and that's great. But, uh, but don't just be there because you, you feel like you have to be there. Go outside, see people, you know, I, yeah. I, that, that's the way, I mean, I can, think of all the bars and coffee shops where the really great ideas happen <laughs> and it's like yeah that's it works you know so so you know um you came up on the on the design side sounds like right um if you had yeah. to if you had to if you had to draw me a picture of what you think the creative process looks like Oh, from start God. from start to finish i'm curious i i try to ask this question in a different way each time but how would what it, what would it look like the 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 creative pro, or your creative process you know how, what 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 it would it look like? Oh boy, it would be a mess. I mean, all I could think of instantly was a straight line into just this squiggly line where you you know you blow all the ink in the ballpoint pen and it just solid black. It looks like a knotted up ball of twine. That's what it is, you yeah. know, and. For me personally, and I always try to get people to think this way, is like, put the ideas down and then leave them. Make, make sure you write that shit down. That's, that's the other thing. It drives me crazy when I remember somebody tells me this idea. And then when we're reviewing ideas, you know, a week or two down, I'm like, what about that one idea? Oh, yeah. So you got to write that shit down in a notebook that you live with or your I. I encourage people to use iPads because yeah. it's going to be there all the time. Use the notes program, do something, but for God's sake, don't put it on a scrap of paper that you're going to lose. Cause I can't right. tell you how many ideas I've saved over the years because people forget, you know, but anyway, so what I was saying is I, I think it's important to put down the good ideas, a couple good ideas. I used to work with uh, Luke Sullivan. Everybody knows who he is. And that was a fantastic experience. Cause I remember he would always say just one good idea. We just need one good idea today, right? And you're going to come up with a hundred, but we just need one good one. If we yeah. come up with one good idea every day, after two weeks, we've got 10 really good ideas and we can only do one of them. So I love that logic, right? I'm like, that's, that's good. Yeah, it's really good. And, and it does sort of help talk you off the ledge a little, right? 
just makes it just kind of makes it doable. Yeah. Doable. So that I like that. Yeah. So I, 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 whatever that was credit Luke Sullivan to that one, but I, I kept that piece with me forever. And, uh, but so yeah, one, one, one good idea day, but I also encourage people to leave it behind because you don't want to go into tomorrow. I want to go into tomorrow feeling like I don't have it again. Right. What I mean, say that again. Well, because if you don't, the, the pressure to create the, the, the anxiety, I think a lot of that is what, what drives really good ideas. So if you're feeling like, well, we've already got a couple really good ideas, you're sort of take your foot off the gas. I want the foot on the gas the whole time. The best idea might be the last one that we come up with literally before a, ha- a half hour before um, we got to have an internal presentation to account people. Like yeah. I don't want, you know, anything to stop. And I don't want stuff totally thought through either, right? Like I want to know that it's a good idea. It's a solid idea, but work up to the, to the very end and then let's decide, you know? So, which is a little, maybe a little insane, but that's the way I like to do it. No, it's cool. I love it. I love it. So um, where do you draw inspiration from? Um, you know, you, you talked about the, you know, going, maybe getting out, going to the bar, hanging out yeah. with people, but are there other things that, that you draw inspiration from? Are you a reader? Do you listen to podcasts, film, music? What, what, where, how do you get, how do you get uh, inspired? Music for sure. Music's, music's a drug. Yeah. You know, when they, when you hear that great song and it, you know, releases the endorphins or whatever the, the t- I don't know what, what it is, but there's something about that, that thankfully, so I don't have to do drugs. Thankfully there's music, but music, rock and roll. It's great. I mean, I always say agencies are like rock bands in terms of, you know, how do we manage all of these different personalities? Say so it's like a rock band. We don't, we don't want, everyone to be exactly the same we right. don't all have to like each other and be you know look mick jagger keith richards i don't even think they like each other but they understand that they need each other right. and they do very different things charlie watts is back there just you know yeah that's that to me is is the magic of of, of teams and groups of people and it, again, I'm I'm saying again, we're a smaller agency. You know, this, yeah. these things are different when you're 75, 150 people. But when you're when you're 25 people, each person that comes into the agency affects the agency as much as the agency affects them, right? You know, we sort of have to absorb this new person. What are they all about? And what do they bring into this thing? And how's that going to change us? And how are we going to change them? And it's a, it's a sort of morphing thing that's really pretty interesting yeah you brought up you 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 brought something into my head right because i've had i've had this thought and i've i I know i read it somewhere um but somebody said you know we have to get away from saying at an agency or at a business in general right it's like we're a family yeah right because at the end of the day it's we're not a family because you can't fire you can't fire your family (laughs) right right? although you probably some people probably wish they could but uh, it's more like a team or what you just said, and I like this analogy better. It's it, we're like a band, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, what is this person bringing to the, the, the band? Are they the Ringo? Are they the are yeah. George, the Paul, yeah. but that idea of, you know, a family is wrong because it's like, it's not a, it's not a family because if, if you're not playing the right guitar parts, if you're not, you know, showing up to rehearsal, if you're not bringing it, then guess what? We're going to probably let you go. Right. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in a family, you can't really do that. Yeah, exactly. 
And, you know, agencies require a lot of different types of people that, um, you know, I think sometimes people have an issue with people that aren't necessarily like them and, you know, bands are the same way. Right. So I think we all need, we all need people that do what we don't do. And we all need people that are different than, than, than who we are. And everybody needs to sort of appreciate that and lift everybody up. And so I think, uh, rock bands are like that. And I've been in many bands over the years. And, and so I understand that dynamic because they oftentimes end in horrible wrecks. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I know that. Talk, I know about, talk about insecurity and, and ego and, you know, oh, yeah. you really see it in rock bands. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I've had a couple of those in, uh, in my life. Um, and so how would you, so if you had to name a band, how would you, you know, who would you, who would be the analogy for Casey Truth? Who are you guys if we had to? Oh, I don't know if we line up with any band, but the I, the, the Rolling Stones analogy is the one that I used because we're all old. No, uh, I use that one because people can understand it. They can understand that Mick Jagger and Keith Richards are very different people. But, right. um, you know, uh, we talked a bit in our other call I'm from Minneapolis. So music is huge here. Advertising is huge here in uh, the replacements. I mean, yeah. there's talk about a fantastic band that, you know, the, those great bands that are just uh, half off the rails or half in the ditch all the time. Right. You know, I think that's pretty amazing. So. Yeah, it is cool. And, but it also in some ways, and we're going to, we're going to go off on a tangent and I love okay. it. Um, <laughs> but, but in some ways it was also to me when I was reading the the book and I, and I gave it back to my buddy here, I can't remember what it was called, but it was the, um, the book on trouble, the replacement trouble trouble, uh, trouble boys yes, trouble boys yes yes yeah i was also really really walked away feeling really frustrated that 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 paul westerberg didn't didn't take advantage of all the opportunities that he got and that he self sabotaged so much and 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 you know and and it just bums me out because i think they could have been so much more you know yeah. so in a sense I, I i recognize that they probably had it had to be the way that it that they were just because that was just who they were but it also sort of bums me out that they didn't live up yeah i think you know potential. they were they were ahead of their time i mean this is let's bring it back to advertising right creatives are always ahead of the clients and it's really hard to sell them that work that creatives know is the right thing to do because five years later, it will sort of be the norm, right? Well, the replacements yeah. were ahead of their time. And yeah. the band that, 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 that copped it, it was Nirvana. I mean, Nirvana just, they, they looked at everything that the replacements did and said, we're going to do that. So there's dysfunction, there's all of it, right? All the way down to the close, that was what they were modeling after. And it was just a different time and it worked. Yeah, so yeah you're right. You're right. They were just a bit ahead. You're right. So is that so playing music? Is that something that um, you would do if you, if you weren't doing this or what else would you be doing? You mentioned running a bar or being behind. Yeah. I have a hard time imagining doing anything else. You know, we've been doing it a long time. Love it because there's so many. That's again why this is such a great business is we've got business. We've got creativity. We've got real jobs. 
We've got all this dynamic that we have to work with. We've got problem solving because that's what we do every day. It's like detective work. We're trying to figure out where does this go? Where does that go? How do we make it interesting? I mean, it's the coolest. It really is the coolest job. Um, but love to play music. And, you know, you talk about inspiring things. Uh, so I don't. I don't, I've never seen an episode of Seinfeld, so TV's not my thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really watch uh, movies or anything. I watch all the previews, so yeah. I know what people are talking about, but I, I right. can't stay awake through movies. Right. But right. I love to play music, and I encourage everyone to find outside passions, because I think finding those outside passions, you bring so much more to your work. You know, if all you do is just advertising, and I think that can work for some people, but I, I think getting out and, and finding passion in other ways. You know, I, I always hear, I was never a sports guy, but you know, I said sports taught kids team building and all that stuff. Well, right. for me, it was playing in rock bands. So I, I yeah. get that, you know, Absolutely. you sort of have to do that thing you have, but I want to make things, you know? So yeah, that's where music came in. Yeah. Um, but I always encourage people. It's like whatever outside passions you have, go, go for it. You know? Um, and one of your, I mean, and, and one of your your big outside uh, passions is is is, and I don't know how you would describe it, but you you have, I don't know if you would describe it as an alter ego or what it is, but you have something that's called um, uh, Waxo, right? Walking yeah. around, checking stuff out. Yeah. And that's so. Tell us about that because I thought that that was uh, that was super fascinating. So oh, tell yeah. the audience about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's born out of keeping journals. I say write stuff down in notebooks and things, right? So. I've always journaled as part of sort of concepting, you know, writing down what you do during the day and drawing pictures. And, and it sort of started to blow up into to more. I started doing more and more of that. And I, um, I, I started submitting them to a local newspaper and they were printing the drawings, but I didn't want to, to, to have it associated with me. Uh, I just wanted it to be something else. I just didn't want to, you know, so I came up with Waxo and it's walking around, checking stuff out, which is what all the drawings are based on. It's me walking around, checking stuff out and then making drawings. So I had this little name made up and a little logo and I did that. And it, it, but since then it's taken off and it's gotten more, um, you know, stuff in galleries and all that. So again, that's a side thing. It's really just a documentary of my life. Uh, the stupid bars I go to and restaurants and you know so it's 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 kind of a fun thing you know it's really more therapy than anything some people doodle and all this I just I make these drawings in the morning and clears my head it's my version of yoga and then we go on in advertising so. and so so is this still something that you do to this day every day yeah every day I get up I was never a morning person I get up at five in the morning yeah. There's only, you know, you got to find time to do it. And it's good for me to do it in the morning when my head is clear. So draw for a couple hours every day. And, uh, you know, you end up, it, it's like anything you, you, you do little bits of something. And at the end of the year, I end up with, you know, 350 or so drawings and there we go, you know, crazy and, document document. And, yeah, sorry. I mean, I mean, what a, what a great thing to, you know, what a great little, legacy document of your life to to sort of have drives my wife crazy because every time i draw her she's i don't look like that i'm like well i don't know i can't really draw people that well so you get what you get you know so yeah and, and so 
is this still something that that you um, get published or mm -hmm. or okay? Well, it's mostly gallery stuff. Um, yeah. the, the little local newspapers uh, uh, they went away, unfortunately. You know, last few years have been horrible for them. But sure. I love that. You know, the community newspapers and they yeah. draw stuff around, and I'd get notes from people. I think you drew a picture of me. I'm like, yeah, I may have. You know, so that's fun. But again, I think that's all part of what we do. We're out there. We're observing people. We're seeing things. We're finding things that are unique and interesting. That's all part of our job. So that's what I'm doing. I'm looking at a cool old bar and an old sign, and I'm going to make a drawing of that and document that thing. You know. So when you do it in the mornings, you're 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 processing something that you may have seen the night before. Yeah, the day okay. before usually, or uh, it's usually within a week. So I go around, I, you know, cell phone, I take pictures yeah. and do all that. And, and I'm just like, what, what were sort of the highlights? What were the things that really struck me from this past week? So, yeah. Why, why do you think that you chose to do it kind of, uh, again, I don't know what to call it, but why do you think that you chose to do it under this sort of different moniker? What was I, the thinking behind that? Well, I think the thing that's always bugged me about creatives and advertising is, they, you know, they tend to look at you as, well, you're artists and you're this and you're that. It's like, no, you know what? We're, we're actually smart, strategic thinkers. I sort of hated being put in this, well, you can draw pictures box. Yeah. So I didn't want to do stuff that just further <laughs> brought forward this idea that you guys are artsy and, you know, so I, that was really it. I, I said, I don't want, I don't want my clients, I don't want our clients to be like, yeah, yeah, of course, he's an artist guy and all that. Well, you can't keep anything under wraps these days, right? On right. the internet, it came out. So I just went with it. And clients actually dig it. They, they like it. So it, it's okay. You know, I'm fine with that. But I was maybe just a little, little harsh on the side of, you know, put the artsy stuff away. We're here for thinking and strategy and, you know, smart concepts. I, I didn't want to live up to all of the stereotypes. But. Oh, interesting. Okay. I thought that maybe it was more about, and I talked talked about this on, on previous episodes, this idea that it was, you were kind of allowing this other being or this other person to come out. Is there any element of yeah. that? Yeah. There, well, it's no, it's me. Uh, but I, I think it's just trying to put a hard line, you know, in, in, in the sand and say, okay, there's, there's the art stuff over here, but in advertising, what we do there's an art element to it, an applied art element to it. And I want it to be seen as being smarter and more strategic. And so that was really it. But yeah, alter, yeah, in terms of another, no, because it's so much me, it's so much my life that I'm not creating a, a different me, you know? Well, will um, and and no no pressure, but will will I will this this podcast potentially make it into your into one of the uh, you don't have to you don't have to say we will see <laughs> that would be awesome i'll let you know <laughs> so you know speaking of you know the critical thinking the strategic thinking and you know everything is getting so smart right is we have so much data and so there's ai and there's all these things coming together what does that mean for the future of what we do um, creatively? And do you ever think about there being sort of a, I don't know if backlash is a right, right, right word, but just kind of a, 
getting back to simpler things maybe i you know i hope so i mean i think it's great we have all of that um but i do think that again back to if you can if you can find truth in a moment like a great comedian right that that's what's so great about comedy is it's because it's true right that you can't substitute that you know there's no there's no data there's no you know there's nothing you can sort of manufacture that that replaces that uh, observation and that that real life moment so yeah i don't i don't know i mean it's this is something i think about all the time because really? you know we're we are people okay at its core we're just people so let's start acting like people you know <laughs> and it's easy to get carried away with stuff i mean i've seen it but but it's not new right so i'm going to go back years and years ago I remember we were working on uh, a Coca-Cola project, a new, a new, new product for Coca-Cola and account planning was the big thing back then. Right. So I don't know that they call it that anymore, but whatever, it's all this insights and all this stuff. And I remember being a, you know, what was I 23, 24 year old kid in a generation extra, like right at the center of it. Right. And we're creating a new soft drink for that, for us. Right. And I remember getting all this research back and reading it and the, the line i'll never forget generation xers love to trade alternative cds that was the insight <laughs> and i mean oh my god i mean i as a generation xer that loved to trade alternative cds nothing made me throw up in my mouth faster than that it's like <laughs> can you but can you and and you know i'm sure there was commercials made back then that were that we're going to show a bunch of generation xers trading alternative cds and it's going to be amazing because that insight is so key to our product it's like oh my god that's horrible right but now we have data and all the stuff that tells us this is the exact ad that we need to make and it's like yeah maybe (laughs) yeah but probably not because you don't just regurgitate this stuff you know so i don't know right there was definitely i mean there was definitely probably an insight in there right but that, yeah, that representation of it probably wasn't going to do much. Like people weren't going to go like, oh my God, those guys are, are swapping a, you know. Yeah. I'm going to go out and buy whatever that soft drink was. Yeah. And, you know? you know, no offense to the people that came up with it. It's just, it, it, it's one of those things. It's like, yes, that's true. But, right. But now what? <laughs> you know? So, yeah. And, and so, um, how, you know how what what is the best way as a creative director what do you want to get from call it account planning or call Mm -hmm. it strategy or call it you know insights or whatever what in the perfect world what do you get from them is it a is it a is it a do they boil it all down into you know a you know single-minded proposition is it a sentence is it a you know what would be your ideal? Yeah, I think you know, we need all of those inputs for sure to get to what we have on our briefs is uh, the core truth. So we're trying to get down to one sentence that that is the essence of what we want to communicate. And uh, that's what the client signs off on. So, you know, we get everybody in alignment and let's go. That's the thing that we're going to do. And this one sentence can be executed in so many different ways. 
that's sure. what's uh, that's what I think is 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 fantastic about it. I'm gonna quickly go back to the truth workshops that we do. Yeah, it's not just the marketing clients that we get in there. We encourage. I did the air quotes. Key stakeholders. We want everyone. If there's sales, marketing. If there's engineers. If there's scientists. If there's the CEO, CFO. We want all of them in these truth workshops so we know where we're going because so many times i've just we've seen it where uh, the agency and the and the, and the marketing department at at the brand at the company are in line in lockstep and they create this great stuff and then it goes to the comp to the broader group at the company and it dies sales hates it if they have scientists right. or engineers they hate it the ceo hates it that's not what we wanted to do and you start over so right. we encourage all of our clients, let's, anyone that's going to have a say in this thing, let's get them in the room. And that makes our clients' lives so much easier. It's, 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 a, it's, it's hard for them to get that, that day, that session happening, but we say it's like therapy for their brand right. because everyone is, is together on it. So now when we're showing the campaigns, um, the, it's no surprise to the CEO when he or she sees it. It's no surprise yeah. to the sales team. They've been heard. They've been listened to. Right. They're actually seeing their feedback, their input. They're seeing it in the work. They get it. They understand. So that that's really the magic there. Yeah, they're bought into the process. They're brought bought bought into the the ideas, and that that goes that definitely goes a, a long way for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, we've seen it a lot, a lot of times where marketing comes in and says, this is our biggest issue. This is what we need to solve. Then sales comes in and says, this is our biggest issue. This is what we need to solve. And it's something completely different. And then the CEO or whoever might say something totally different than that. Okay. We have our day planned out, right? In our truth, truth workshop, we're all going to leave this room in alignment. And that means everyone has to make some tough choices and everyone's going to hear everyone out and they're going to understand. So it's very interesting is at the end of the day, oftentimes, whoever, like, let's say sales said, this is our thing. This is our problem we need to solve. Oftentimes at, at the end of the day, after a truth workshop, that they don't even vote for the, uh, their original issue because now they understand the bigger picture, the bigger picture. Yeah. Um. So just putting a sort of a final button on that kind of that truth that you're getting, right? Yeah. Do you like, do you absolutely 100% want to be involved in getting to that truth or yes. do you, or do you, okay. Or do you yeah. prefer for it to come to you? No, we, as uh, we want to be in it. We want to be in it because, you know, having creative representation through all strategy. I think is important because you have to, we need to come down to something that um, we can work with. So my partner, Mike, who, you know, I was an art director, he was a writer. He's now director of strategy. So we have strong creative representation on the strategy side. He and I are both in those sessions because we're hearing different things, right? You know, you're going to, as a creative, when you're hearing these inputs, when you're hearing these things, you're sort of, you know, okay, well, this or that, or oftentimes it's just, here's what they said, but here's what I think they really mean. And being there to, to sort of reinterpret it or offer another interpretation of what they might be trying to get at is, is very important. 
so um you know just in in talking to you and 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 hearing about your approach right it sounds like you're an awesome creative leader it sounds like you you um you know enjoy working with with your team you probably enjoy building up the uh, the young creatives what was the best you know who did that for you did anybody do that for you who who sort of brought you up and and also what was the greatest lesson that you learned from them from a mentor from a you know from a previous boss boy yeah there's so many i mean i've I've been been very fortunate to work with some really great people i mean i mentioned the story about luke sullivan one good idea day that one gets me you know yeah um it, at back at Art Center, it was Mark Fenske. He was the instructor who just was amazing. I mean, that guy was incredible. He was the one that got me to buy hardbound sketchbooks and put all the ideas in there. I mean, those were big moments, right? That led to what I'm doing now with Loxo and you know, encouraging everyone to write ideas down. So those moments uh, really, really, really stand out to me as 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 sort of big lessons. Yeah. That's awesome. What, what, there was another part of that question too. I think I'm forgetting. Um, no, I mean, I, I think, I think, I think that, I think that you covered it just, you know, how, what, what things you picked up from them that you bring to, you know, your young, young creatives, you know? Well, I was, I'll tell you when I first got out, um, when I started at Martin Williams, they just, they, treated me well there was no there wasn't as many titles back then there was no junior art director i came in as an art director fresh out of school right and uh that was great they just they treated me they gave me all the responsibilities and said go do your thing and i really uh appreciated that i think that was uh a great way to learn just get in there and do it you know yeah how are you feeling um just coming out of, you know, this, this last year with, with being locked down and all that, how are you feeling in terms of, you know, I, I'm, I'm feeling this really great. I feel like I'm just now coming into my own and I'm feeling really creative. And I, I feel like I still haven't done the best work of, of my life yet. And I like that. I like, I like that. I feel, you know, like I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm still, I'm still in this. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel? And, and did yeah. that did last year change your perspective on anything? Yeah, I mean, last year was just kind of crazy. I mean, I definitely always feel the same way, just what you said. I think, you know, the next assignment could be the best one. How are we going to do it even better? Let's, you know, let's dick this thing another way. What are we going to yeah. do? Come on, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so the fire, yeah, I mean, it's just, that's what's so cool about this business. Every day is a new problem to solve. The This year, challenging for sure, you know, our agency um, you know, the truth bar, right? It sat empty. You know, we can't, yeah. we couldn't use it. It was an advantage to us to have clients come down there. We couldn't do that. Yeah. And we all had to learn how to communicate the way that we are right now. And I'll yeah. never forget the first, the first real meeting we had over zoom or teams or whatever it was. And it was a disaster, a absolute disaster. We all went, this is horrible. I, we can't live life like this. The next, the next meeting, that was a pitch. The next meeting we had was a client presentation. Again, it was horrible. And we all just came together and said, we have to figure this thing out. We actually have to be good at this thing. <laughs> you know, we right. can't just figure out how to do it. We've got to do it, you know? Yeah. So it's cameras on all the time. You know, it's funny. It's a, a lot of our clients are, 
larger corporate clients and, and they generally have cameras off. So we're like cameras on, we got our outfits on, we're ready to go. And they, they always kid around. They're like, oh yeah, you guys are the ones that have the cameras on. So I comb my hair, I yeah. got out of my pajamas and here I am. And I'm like, that's good. We, we made you game up a little bit for the call. I like that. You know? Yeah. So yeah, no, we figured it out. I think, you know, for the creator department, we all really excelled. I, it was kind of crazy. And I, maybe it's because, well, I don't want to make generalizations, but I think creatives, a lot of them are introverts. I know I am. Yeah. And, and we tended to all thrive and we connected this way. Right. Because yeah. I think a lot of people, maybe more ex extroverts had a hard time with it because they weren't having that connection. I'm like, no, we're really having these great connections that maybe we'd be more uncomfortable face to face, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I, I think that some of that was, 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 was really good. Again, I, uh, some of our people just, they did the best work they've ever done. And yeah. So I'm like, well, now we have to figure out how do we go back? How do we still have the culture of the, being in the agency and being in the bar? Right. How do we do that? But, but we still, if people are working better in their space and they're, you know, I, yeah. I, I remember we went back in for a day one, one time and, and uh, his great art director that we have, Doug, he's just, he says everything in the fewest words possible. Right. I love and, that. And it's always the best. I walked in, I said, Hey, Doug, you're here. How's it going, man? He goes, it's the most unproductive three hours I've had in four months. And I thought, well, <laughs> that's, there's a truth, you know? So, you know, and he wasn't, he wasn't a downer about it. It was just a fact, you know, so yeah. people are bugging him, this and that. And this, and so uh, we'll have to figure out how we live this sort of hybrid life. Yeah. Know? And I, that, that's exciting, you know? So. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it is exciting. I think it's it's going to hopefully be the best of, of both worlds, you know. I agree. Um, yeah. But uh, it'll, it'll we'll, we'll see. All right. So we've come to that moment, that time in the show when it's time to to pay off the title, Creative uh, 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 Confessions of a Creative Director. So let yeah. let us have it. What's your big What's your big confession well, that you want to get off your chest? I've you know the one about just every assignment, just having no clue can can we even do this thing you know yeah. is that even possible but i already used that one so i have a more practical actual confession now i wasn't raised religious and I, but there were catholics in my family and i think we all yeah. have a little catholic guilt so Absolutely. i've had this thing that i've it happened more than 20 years ago but i was a creative director at that time and i remember uh, and i never told anybody about so we did, we had this client, high end seafood restaurant, right? Like real high end shit. Okay. And um, we did this big photo shoot where they brought out this huge tray of, you know, like the giant shrimps and, and oysters and just this beautiful photograph of, you know, probably what it would have cost, you know, a thousand dollars if you ordered it at the restaurant. Right. And we did this great photo shoot and it was awesome. It was great. Uh, and well, so this was, I said it was over 20 years ago. So I got the film back and I lost the film. Oh my God. I think I threw it away. Oh my God. Yeah. So I literally threw the film away. And this is a client. You're not going to go back to this client and say, guess what? We need to reshoot that thing. Right. There was just no way it was going to happen. And I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? Well, 
remember he used to shoot Polaroids. So yeah. I had a Polaroid in my pocket. Now, those things were tiny and the yeah. quality was not great. So I called a production person and I'm like, what are we going to do? I need, we got to scan this thing. This, you know, this ad, you know, it was a new, it was a magazine ad, full color. It was aimed at the tourists who are coming to town, spending all this money. It needed to be a big, beautiful photograph. It's like, there's no way you can't, it's not, it's going to look like shit. I'm like, all right, I'm going to redo the layout <laughs> and make the photo really small. Now the headline was amazing. So it's this high end. Uh, seafood restaurant and it was all business travelers so um i remember the headline was filet fish expense o account and i love the headline so i'm like you know the headline's the star anyways let's just yeah. go with that and i went yeah. to the client did a new layout went to the client and uh it's like why is this photo so small i'm like because it's all about the headline man the, the headline's amazing right and he's like yeah you're right go with it so there we go. <laughs> I'm confessing. Yeah. I threw the freaking film away, if you can believe that. Or somebody threw it away. I'm going to take the responsibility for it, but it disappeared. Oh, th th that is, uh, that's the best one we've had so far. And, and, and no to hear that you've never, that you've never told anybody, that's amazing. No one, no one has a clue. Uh, and I actually, I got to tell you right now, I feel great. It's off my chest. <laughs> uh, we don't have like, I mean, that was another agency, a different client. He, he can't fire me. He would love the story if he heard it now, but you know, there's advertising for oh. you. It's problem solving, right? And that's right. so much of what we learn, right? The client kicks you down. They kill an idea. They don't like a layout. You come up with something new. That, this is no different. <laughs> so, oh, my go. gosh. Yeah. That, yeah. that is amazing. Oh, my gosh. Well, on, on that note, uh, I mean, seriously, hands down, that's the best confession that, uh, that I've had on the show so far. And I'm glad that you, that you do feel better and you, you were able to get a little Complain. bit of that guilt, guilt. Uh, <laughs> like 50 pounds off my back. It's great. <laughs> oh man. But, but uh, no, seriously, I've really enjoyed this, this conversation. I feel like of all the, the, the creative directors that I've, that I've talked to, I feel like you're the purest of, of, of all of them. And I don't mean that in a bad way for them. I just feel like sort of you're the purest creative uh director that i've that i that i've oh. talked to in some sense so hopefully i don't well, offend you. my other guests but no, um i've really thank enjoyed you. talking to you and uh yeah hopefully we can we can uh keep up the conversations and and spark a, a friendship here and a I sort of a, so. a mutual exchange of ideas and yeah. uh yeah thanks yeah, for being on the, show. And the whole writer room thing i'd love to get more people talking about that thought and challenging it and all that if people uh, want to get into that that'd be fun I, I do like that idea. Um, and I'm a big, I, uh, you know, I'm a big ideas guy. I, I like, I like ideas like that, right? Treat yeah. it, treat, let's treat this like a writer's room. Let's remember, we only have to come up with one idea a yeah. day. Like th that's the kind of stuff that I love about doing the show. Cause I get so much, uh, out of it. It's almost, I mean, it's almost criminal. Maybe that's my confession. Cause I'm getting <laughs> so, so, so much out of it. Um, right. But uh, yeah, thanks for being so open and sharing, uh, you know, your story with us. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon, bud. Awesome. And I want to hear some music come out of those guitars. So we have to swap tunes. So okay. I want to hear what you're doing with that. So, but thank you very Sounds much. Good. Thanks, yes. Rob. All right. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Take care. Rob Burnham. 
has left the building. Another episode of Confessions of a Creative Director in the books. That was a great episode. Really enjoyed that. Hope you guys did too. Uh, he was super open. I mean, I learned so much from that episode. It was uh, it was really great talking to Rob. And now you're listening to him play drums. Uh, this is one of his bands called Tim Casey and the Martyrs uh, playing us out here. All right. So again, please subscribe to the podcast. Send it to your friends. Tell them to subscribe. Leave us a good review. Let's get some more listeners for this podcast. And uh, let's continue to learn about creativity and what goes into being a creative director. And uh, most importantly, let's have a little fun. Our theme music was composed by the unknown band from YouTube. Someday I will find out who that is. But for now, uh, we're going to have Rob play us out. And we'll see you next time on Confessions of a Creative Director. Peace and creativity.